understand you know, how long it takes to produce your stuff, what fluctuations you may have, and add a little buffer. Welcome to Honest E-Commerce, where we're dedicated to cutting through the BS and finding actionable advice for online store owners. I'm your host, Chase Clymer. And I believe running an online business does not have to be complicated or a guessing game. If you're struggling with scaling your sales, Electric Eye is here to help. To apply to work with us, visit electriceye.io slash connect to learn more. Now let's get on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Honest E-Commerce. I am your host, Chase Clymer, coming to you from Columbus, Ohio, and way out in amazing Boulder, Colorado. Welcome to the show, David Koifman. Hey, Chase. Thanks for having me this morning. Look, I got your name 30 seconds later. How great is that? That is great. Awesome. So David is joining us today. Uh, he is the VP of Business Development at Kick Further. Uh, they help e-commerce brands scale through a unique approach to finance. Um, before the show, he spilled a little bit of beans about what they're up to. And it's actually really interesting to me. Um, and I didn't want to ask him many questions then, so I could ask them now. Um, but before we get into that, let's kind of talk about your history. What got you to this place in life? How'd you end up in, you know, at Kick Further? What, what's your story? What's your background? I started uh, working in advertising and marketing and then um, had a unique opportunity to work for a financial technology startup here in Boulder. And then you know, started as employee number six, uh, watched the company grow to uh, almost 100 employees. And it was a really cool experience, mostly just the building of the company and uh, developing a product that was solving a problem for consumers. And took that knowledge and experience, and then uh, I met Sean DeClerc, our founder and CEO, and we had a, a a good fit for for that sort of same trajectory to happen again with Kick Further. And I joined the team, and after you know really digging into it and understanding how critical the problem is that we're now solving for these small and medium sized businesses, I became pretty passionate about. Uh, what we do and learn quite a bit about supply chain, e-commerce, and kind of the whole life cycle of you know producing and selling goods. Absolutely. So, like, if we could dumb it down um, for like people that are just getting into e-commerce, what problem does Kick Further solve? So, if you know everybody getting into e-commerce is selling something, right? And for e-commerce specifically, they're selling it online, either on their website or on a site like Amazon. Um, but basically, they are either making or buying some sort of physical good, putting it in a warehouse, and then advertising it or somehow getting it out to an audience. And then those people are placing orders on their website or whatever website they're selling it on. And then they take that product, put it in a package, ship it out, and then the customer receives it. Right. So that is kind of the life cycle from start to finish of e commerce business. Now, if you make this thing and it sells really well, then you have to go back to you know whoever made it for you or back to the raw materials suppliers and say, "Hey, I need to buy more." And when that happens really quickly, all of a sudden you're looking at hundreds of thousands of dollars that you need to spend to acquire product, and you're not receiving the revenues from the sales of that product until you pay the supplier, the supplier makes the product. Sometimes if it's you know overseas production, it's going to take a month to make it and it's going to be on the water for a month. Then it gets to your warehouse and then you start selling it. And as you sell it, then you start seeing those cash flows. Uh, but most of the time, 
you need money to make more stuff before you've taken in all the money from selling the previous stuff. And this is a very common cash flow pinch that e-commerce brands and small to medium-sized physical goods brands face in their growth. Absolutely. Uh, that is actually uh, on our side of the coin uh, from like an agency's perspective, it is a question that we ask all the time when people are about to start getting the paid media. We're like, hey, if this works, what happens? Like, Do you have the ability to sell more of this product? What's your lead time on that product? Can you find it? Like, you know, it's, it's a question that has to be asked. Like, Everyone wants to jump in and hit the ground running and grow. And then this problem happens. It's a symptom of success. And businesses find themselves in a really tight position where you know things are going really well, and then all of a sudden somebody like a you know Target or Walmart comes to them and says, "Hey, we want to place an order that's bigger than anything you've ever made in the past. Can you do it?" And you know they have to sometimes say, "No, we can't. We don't have the money to make it." And that's a really tough thing to to turn down, you know. Or if you're in e-commerce and and you know you're you're paying somebody to do marketing for you and they knock it out of the park and you sell a bunch of stuff and then you run out and you have empty shelves and people want to place orders and you can't fulfill them what we do is we we help businesses fund that new production there's a lot of places to find money um but when you're a small to medium sized business and you don't have a track record of you know being in business for 5 years with um Financials that banks and and other you know traditional sources of funding look at, then it's actually a lot harder to find money and you know cost effective solutions to solve this problem. Yeah, I think uh, one of the hardest things to do in ecom or and just being a small business is finding money that you're not going to you know a get screwed over on on the rates of that money. And B, like more traditional sources, like it is a lot of work to build that trust. Um, this is not financial advice. I really want to say that right now because I'm going to get into some more specifics here in a second. Uh, going to smaller banks is usually easier. Uh, you know, you got friends and families. You, a lot of people you've probably heard about, like doing the credit card game of jumping that stuff around, and all those are scary because you're you're personally liable. You know what I mean? So knowing the other solutions out there to kind of get this stuff is is something that I think you should be aware of. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think, you know, if you have that network, uh friends and family who want to support your business and you truly believe in what you're building, then that's a really good way to go because, you know, that money is very inexpensive. Um and, you know, as long as you don't find yourself in a position where you are unsuccessful and you're in debt to these people, and it you know becomes a, a personal issue, then that's definitely a, a good path to pursue. And and as you mentioned with the banks as well, you know if if a bank will um, consider providing uh, capital for for you to help produce your inventory or whatever other costs you have to grow your business, then that's it's definitely going to be the the cheapest you know. Um, official source of funding that you can access. Um, only thing is, you know, banks banks have a more traditional, more risk averse underwriting, and frequently will either not approve an early stage early stage business uh, or or not give them nearly enough for what they need to produce inventory. Inventory is just like a really high cost thing. Um, it could be. You know, a quarter or a half, or even the entire amount you've already done in sales. So to say, oh, my revenue is 
500K and I need 500K to produce the next round of inventory. Seems like a pretty risky opportunity if you look at it from a tr- traditional sense. Absolutely. Uh, and then I think I spoke on this a bit when we were talking about uh, you know how to kind of build your financial system within your business on a podcast previously. The way that we run ours is is based upon a book by Mike Michalowicz that I'm truly drawing a blank on now. Profit first. There we go. My I need more coffee today. Um, but on that on that episode, I talked about uh, you should really find a community bank and a bank that won't charge you fees. Um, and then this is like the best advice that we've ever gotten in my life is, especially in the business world, is you should start these relationships and establish credit with banks for your business when you do not need it, because they won't give it to you when you do need it. Yeah, I, I couldn't give better advice myself. Let's be honest today. All of your customers are going to have questions. And what are you doing to manage all those questions? Do you have a help desk for your business? One of our sponsors of today's episode is Gorgeous. And Gorgeous is the number one rated help desk for e-commerce. It integrates seamlessly with Shopify. We have installed it on a bunch of stores. It's also used by brands like Movement and Rothy's. And what it does is it takes all of your customer insights and information, brings it into one amazing dashboard so you can solve their problem as quickly as possible. If you want to give Gorgeous a try, visit gorgeous.link slash honest. That's G-O-R... G-I-A-S dot L-I-N-K slash H-O-N-E-S-T to get your second month free. I think, you know, understanding what your options are and starting conversations and establishing relationships and even taking on financing before you need it is absolutely the best proactive measure because desperation is the worst way uh, to find capital. Another thing that you know, I, I don't know if the listeners here are pretty active on, but um, traditional crowdfunding like Kickstarter or Indiegogo, um, those are great ways to fund your first production run. And we dabbled in that area uh, when we were just getting started, but now we only work with businesses um, that have proven supply chain and sales channels. So we don't do first production runs, but those are a really good place to identify if consumers want what you're putting together. And then to be able to actually take the money that they raise in the crowdfunding campaign and put it towards production and go through your supply chain and fulfillment process is really a great experience to understand if you have everything ironed out or what changes you need to make to optimize it. Oh yeah, that's that's amazing advice. And then um, for those of you that are thinking about doing this on Shopify, Kurt Elster from the unofficial Shopify podcast has an app called Crowdfunder that does this exact thing with on the sh- within the Shopify platform. So if this is something you're thinking about, I do highly recommend that app. Shopify is a really cool platform. Most of our customers, I would say, who are doing e-commerce are using Shopify. We're not affiliated with them in any way, nor do we even have a partnership with them. But I just think it's a it's a valuable solution um, if, if you're building your own e-commerce business. All right. So I want to pivot forward a little bit. And let's talk about what are some of the signs, like the leading indicators that this is probably going to become a problem for me. Like I'm Joe. I've got this cool business selling these custom hats. What are some of the things that are going to start happening? Some you know leading indicators that this is going to be an issue pretty soon. The biggest indicators are going to be acceleration of of sales. You know, if if you produce your inventory and it starts selling faster than you expected it to, that means you're going to have to place your next order with your supplier sooner than you expected it. 
to be, and it's going to be for a higher quantity, which means a higher dollar amount. Now, these are all good things, but this is going to be your first sign that you need to explore funding or make sure that you have the funds available um, to solve this problem because it's it's about to hit you and it's it's good to be prepared. Another sign can be if if you start talking to wholesale buyers and they take an interest in your product because <clears throat> a lot of people start out in e-commerce and they're just selling online, but then you know they're like, well, what if I could just double my sales by talking to one buyer? You know, like if if you're making some sort of outdoor product and you want to talk to REI and they say, yeah, let's let's do a test order. A test order is usually an indicator that a much much bigger order is coming. So if they place a test order, you better get ready uh, to produce many times that quantity. Um, if they're you know putting you in a few stores, this could be Target, uh, Best Buy, any type of retailer. They always start out with a test order. And if things go well with that, then you can expect you know the opportunity of a lifetime to come your way. Yeah, that's amazing advice, and I hadn't even thought of it. You know, if you're getting traction with your product, wholesalers will probably want it too, and that's going to be a big order. I think another thing would be if you are catching traction from any marketing efforts, or if you're about to start any influencer campaigns, or if you landed on Shark Tank, your world's about to explode. Uh, those are all indicators right there. Yeah, a lot of our customers have been on Shark Tank and. Um, even if they don't take deals from the sharks, then th- they still get this massive exposure through you know being televised, and th- their sales will you know skyrocket as a result of that. And sometimes those effects are long term. After that, you know you have you have the exposure that you need to just get to that next level, and all of a sudden you're going to need uh, funding to to produce that next round of inventory and the subsequent one. And that's what you know a, a lot of our customers that experience that kind of growth. Are, they, they don't just come to us to, to bridge that next gap to the next production run. That's a problem that, that you know, you're going to be facing for a, quite a long time um, as you grow. The revenue range of our clients ranges from 150000 in sales in the last 12 months to upwards of $15 million. So you know, it's rare that somebody gets from A to B over the course of months. It usually takes years to get there. Yeah, absolutely. This episode is brought to you by Klaviyo. Klaviyo knows modern e-commerce is moving fast. Between email, mobile, and web, it can be hard to keep up with consumers and personalize their experience with your brand. Think of Klaviyo as a central command center for all your digital marketing needs. With email marketing, dynamic website content, social retargeting, SMS automation, and more, you'll take back control of the customer experience and own your business growth. That's why it's trusted by over 30,000 brands like Casemate, Kapari, and Brooke Lennon. Ready to find out how Klaviyo can help your business grow? Visit Klaviyo.com to schedule a demo. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O.com. I mean, it's any industry. It's not just e-commerce. Like I see this a lot in real estate. Uh, you know, finding financial partners to help you there is super hard. Uh, anytime you start kind of leveling up your business, you're probably going to be looking at a new partner that can afford bigger deals that can set more favorable terms. Uh, you know, it's it's not just an e-commerce problem. Yeah. So, uh, do, do you want to talk about the different types of solutions, the different financing options uh, to solve this problem? Absolutely, because I I guarantee you know more about it than me. Yeah. So, you know, what I recommend when somebody comes to us is do your research, understand what all your options are, right? So, uh, we talked about friends and family. Um, we talked about going to a bank. A bank will give you a line of credit, usually, um, or a small business loan. Um, and 
then there's, you know, you can go out to equity investors um, who are going to buy a, a piece of your company for a dollar amount. Um, that's also a great solution, particularly if they have resources to help you grow. If you, if they have, you know, some, some way to help you distribute um, or some sort of expertise in the product to help you with your, you know, production, reducing your production costs. Um, make sure that if you have an equity investor, that they're going to be able to bring some sort of value. Um, and <clears throat> another thing that that I would advise is use don't use that capital for inventory. It becomes really expensive if you're going to grow and your valuation is going to go up. Um, using that money to to produce inventory is probably not the best advice. And and I don't know this, um, you know, per se from from experience, other than hearing. Our clients come to us who have equity investors that say, "Hey, you should go out and find an inventory financing solution. That's going to be the best way for us to grow together." Then you have um, solutions like it's called Merchant Cash Advance, um, Cabbage on Deck, uh, those types of solutions where basically it's a pretty high interest offering. Where they then draw a percentage of your sales as it comes into your bank account. I feel is that's that's essentially like uh, the big ones in this space would be ClearBank and um, Shopify Capital, I, I believe as well. ClearBank and Shopify Capital um, are not. I don't think they're categorized under Merchant Cash Advance. Um, those are solutions that I, that I've heard uh, a number of our clients using as well, and 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 sometimes or oftentimes, you know, the faster the growth, the, the more help you're going to need. You're going to try to stack options together. Um, some of them conflict with each other. Where you know, like if you go to a bank, they'll place a lien on all of your inventory and all of your assets, and it becomes difficult to layer other financing solutions on top of that because that bank has first position on everything. Um, so that's another thing to keep in mind is you know which which solutions can coexist with each other, um, and so what Kickfurther does um, the way that we structure our deals is using a consignment agreement. So basically, a business is going to be placing an order with a with their manufacturer or their supplier, and they have you know let's say a hundred thousand dollars worth of goods that they're producing. We would structure a deal for a hundred thousand dollars. And we actually are buying those goods. So the consignment agreement is we purchase the goods for you, and then we consign them to you to sell on our behalf. So the cash flow pinch is truly addressed because when those goods are sold, that triggers the consignment. And then we invoice for those goods being sold. So you don't actually make any payments until your inventory that that we paid for has sold. Question. I sell widget A and I sell widget B. And you guys are only giving me money for widget B. And you're only going to invoice me when widget B sells, even though widget A is my moneymaker? Exactly. Or you could do a deal that is covering widget A and widget B. Um, and what's really cool after we establish a relationship with a business and go through our first deal is that we allow businesses to have overlapping deals because you have different widgets are produced with different suppliers. And it takes different amounts of time to produce those widgets and then sell through those widgets. So maybe you're you know, placing an order with, with supplier one for widget A. It's going to take them a month to produce, a month on the water, and three months to sell. And then widget B, it actually takes three months to produce. And then you air freight over, and then it's going to take you 
maybe one month to sell because that's that's a really fast moving product. So to to most effectively um, maximize your your financing, you want to have two different deals for those two different production and sales cycles, um, and and we enable customers to do that. So. Once a customer does a deal with us once, they can have overlapping deals. And our average client is doing over 4 deals with us. Um, so it really shows the value and you know cost-effectiveness of our solution. Cool. Uh, I do want to talk about cost a bit. If you could share... Uh, it's a consignment deal. You guys own the inventory until it sells. So that's how you're mitigating your risk, I'm assuming. How do you make money? So Kickfurther charges a 5% platform fee um, on every deal we do. So if we're doing you know that $100,000 deal um, that you know the example we came up with, then Kickfurther is going to charge a $5,000 fee uh, to raise those funds. And, and the money comes from our community of backers. Over the last 5 years, we've pretty much exclusively organically developed a community of people who want to support small and medium-sized businesses and want to make money doing it. And so they participate in the consignment. When that $100,000 deal goes up on the website, 10,000 people who have signed up to receive these notifications about our deals will come to the website. Or they'll first, they'll receive an email. And then whoever is interested in this deal will come to the website and look at the details. And the business puts together a whole bunch of information that Kickfurther uses to vet them and establish if they're qualified to be on the platform. And then after that, the business will have a you know pretty concise but thorough write up that the backers will be able to see and understand you know what are the risks that I believe this deal has in terms of supply chain and production and uh, and sales. That's cool. Yeah, you guys have a really interesting platform. Yeah, and and then so the business will offer a return to the backers um, that'll range anywhere from you know one to two percent a month. So. If you want to annualize that from a backer standpoint, it, it could be 12 to 24% annualized return. Um, we see an average of about 14% IRR across the backer portfolio. Cool. So you guys are kind of financing it on both sides. You're helping people grow you know, wealth that they may have, and you're helping businesses grow as well by utilizing the connections on the other side. Yeah. Want to get each new episode of Honest E-Commerce sent straight to your phone? Join our VIP texting list for updates on new episodes and exclusive deals from our partners. Text Honest VIP, that's H-O-N-E-S-T-V-I-P to 72599 to join. By the way, we're powering our text messages with PostScript, the number one text message marketing app for Shopify stores. Check out the show notes for a link to install PostScript for free today. A lot of the you know the the solutions that we discussed just before this, those businesses are actually going to banks, and banks are giving them loans in order for them to provide the financing that they provide to the businesses. And banks get that money from account holders, people like you and me who have a savings account or a checking account. We're putting money in our bank account, and that that money is used uh, for investments the bank makes with other businesses. Um, so what we're doing is we're essentially cutting those banks out of the equation and allowing individuals to participate in consignment agreements and earn returns as a result. That's wild. I can't thank you enough for coming on the show today. I do have one uh, one last question uh, for you before we jump off here. As someone that's working with growing businesses, uh, you know, every day essentially. 
outside of financing, what do you think are some of the biggest challenges that you're seeing growing brands face? And then like, are there any unique ways that they're overcoming those? I think that one of the biggest challenges that these growing brands face is production and production risk and understanding, you know, the impacts of changing your supply chain. So, you know, some, some people will will manufacture their first production run here in the US, do a small batch, have eyes on the whole process. And then they'll say, oh, well, if we go to China, you know, our costs are going to be cut in half or even more. But it's a whole world that people don't understand what they're getting into. So what I would suggest is, you know, do your research on whoever is producing your inventory. If you're if you're switching to a new manufacturer, make sure that you trust them. Do your diligence on them. A lot of our clients are actually traveling to uh, meet in person with whoever is going to be supplying um, their products. Um, you know, some people are using uh, brokers who have relationships with these factories and have a history with them and understand that. When they say that it's going to be produced by this date, you know, it's often a month or two months later, right? The real challenge comes in when you're making commitments to buyers. A buyer places an order, like, you know, a wholesale order, like we discussed with Target or Best Buy, and you agree to deliver product to them by a certain date. If you take that date and then bring it to a supplier and say, Hey, I need to, you know, have this product ready by this date so I can have 30 days on the water and then. You know, a week or two to get it to you, and something goes wrong, you're going to miss that delivery date, and that's going to be uh, the result of that is going to be either payment penalties or you're going to lose the order altogether. So there can be uh, a lot of repercussions of having delays with your supply chain and not knowing, you know, what, what the fluctuations are within that process will very quickly lead to those problems. So understand, you know, how long it takes to produce your stuff, what fluctuations you may have, and add a little buffer. Uh, I couldn't. I couldn't stress that more. It's better to be early than to be late. Late is always bad. It's either you either incur fees or you lose orders. Um, so, so really have a good handle on timeline. You're gonna have del- delays in every part of the process. That's that's some sage advice right there, David. If they want to get a hold of you, where, what do they do? Where do they go? Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, David Koifman, K O I F M A N, or just email me. Uh, David at kickfurther.com. We'd love to talk to anybody who you know has a small or medium-sized business that's growing fast and looking for a funding solution or anybody who wants to participate as a backer on the platform and has any questions. Our website, kickfurther.com, has a lot of great information on it. Uh, but feel free to, to contact me directly as well. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks, Chase. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show and sharing their journey and knowledge with us today. We've got a lot to think about and potentially add into our businesses. Links and more information will be available in the show notes as well. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, feel free to reach out and learn more at electriceye.io slash connect. Also, make sure you subscribe and leave an amazing review. Thank you.